0: Does a change in scenery change Anthony Rendon's value? And a little bit further down I five, the Padres appear to have their rotation set, or do they? And does factoring in position scarcity help or hinder us on draft day? Like Duff and Taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. I have not had uh, three cold brews yet. Uh, Got ahead of me on uh, my my caffeine question, so glad glad to know that there's been some caffeination in your life. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist.
1: Fantasy in fifteen on the Athletic Podcast Network.
0: Welcome to Fantasy Baseball on Fifteen for Tuesday, February 4th. I'm Al Melker and I'm here with Michael Beller. Uh, Michael, your first show, we had our, our debut show on Monday with DVR, so uh,
1: great to have you aboard. Yeah, Al, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be doing this with you all season long, uh, passing the baton back and forth with DVR and the co-host <laughs> chair. It's going to be a lot of fun. I really can't wait for about maybe six, seven weeks from now, but these first few shows are going to be really fun set a foundation for what we're going to do all season.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So if you haven't listened to the first episode, do go back to that one, because that's where we give a little bit of an overview of what we're doing here on Fantasy Baseball in 15. But uh, it is going to be a little bit of a deja vu, Michael, because we talked about the rumors of a Mookie Betts trade on the first episode. We're still waiting. And, uh, you know, I joked with you offline that, uh, you know, probably the second that we hit uh, stop record is is when that trade goes through. But as of this Recording. Uh, there still has not been a trade. We don't know uh, where Mookie Betts might be going, but I'm. I have a good feeling that when you're listening to this, that you you may know that <laughs> that that trade may have happened. So I'm going to uh, pose to you the same question that I posed to DVR on the last episode, which is, um, well, actually give it, make it a, a quick two parter here. Where do you have Mookie Betts ranked overall, and will that change if there's a trade?
1: Uh, I'm going to I'm going to take the second part first because I think that's a little easier to explain. Uh, I it won't change for me. Uh, I think that fantasy owners tend to overthink Things like this, uh, especially when it relates to superstar players. Superstars are superstars, no matter where they play. Uh, is Fenway Park a, a friendly place for Mookie Betts and other hitters to play? Of course it is. I'm not going to pretend that it's not. No one should pretend that it isn't. But this is it still a superstar player, a multifaceted player, a guy who's going to hit for a lot of power. He's going to hit for a high average. He's going to draw plenty of walks if you're in OBP league versus an average league. He's going to steal bases. He's going to play every day. You're not worried about Mookie Betts. Uh, it doesn't matter what team he. Is. It doesn't if he ends up with the Dodgers, he ends up with the Dodgers, Fans with the Padres, whatever. I think that Mookie Betts should be considered the superstar he is, no matter what jersey he's wearing. So I will not be moving him down my rankings whatsoever when this trade happens, and it does sound like a when, not an if. When Mookie Betts is no longer on the Boston Red Sox, he will not be moving from my rankings. And I've got him right where you have him, Al. Actually, I'm uh, I'm with you at number four. Um, I have Mike Trout number one as well, Cunha two, Yelich three, Betts four. So uh, you and I in lockstep on those first four guys. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, uh, good, good to know. That uh, certainly validates, <laughs> makes me feel a little bit more validated. <laughs> and uh, also, you gave me the great uh, opportunity here to, to segue into a little uh, promo for our draft kit. Uh, so that is out there if you haven't checked it yet. And yes, uh, my top 325 hitters are out there. Uh, DVR's got hitter and pitcher rankings. we got Eno Saris's, uh pitcher rankings. And let's just segue right into uh, a piece that you've contributed to this initial wave in the draft kit, Michael. Um, you've taken a look at a whole bunch of hitters who are going to you're predicting they're going to fall into the template of uh, of hitters and actually I'm sorry pitchers to uh, from from 2019 so you've got who's this year's Eduardo Escobar who's going to be this year's you Darvish so you've got a whole bunch of those and I would just implore people to go check that out for themselves but there are a few in particular that I just want to piggyback on and let's start with your call for who's going to be this year's Anthony Rendon, the hitter who makes the jump from being great to being elite. And by the way, I, we're in lockstep here because I there's a good chance I would have made the same call you did, Yoan Moncada. He looks like he is ready to take another step forward, but I'm actually not going to uh, ask you about Moncada. Uh, I, I'll let everybody out there <laughs> read that for themselves. I'm actually more interested in Rendon. To me, I think he's maybe the more polarizing player of the pair because he established himself as an elite as you right as you refer to in your column but I'm not so sure that he's going to remain at that level heading from the Nationals uh, to the Angels uh, now I've got my own thinking on that but uh, since it's your column <laughs> I'm curious as to what your thoughts are about Rendon's value moving from 2019 to 2020.
1: Yeah, we're going to be, I I guess, the uh, the good cheer and the uh, camaraderie ends here, uh, Al, because uh, I'm going to swerve away from you hard on this one. This is another one where, similar to what I said with Mookie Betts, I don't think you want to overthink Anthony Rendon based on uh, the ballpark he's going to call home, based on the lineup he's going to have around him. Uh, This is a guy who all he has done in his career is hit at a far above average level, and last year turned that into uh, a superstar season. Uh, But even though he had to deal with injuries earlier in his career – On a per game basis, this guy has delivered every single season that he has been a regular, going back to 2019 or 2013, excuse me, uh, when he was uh, first a rookie in the majors, getting 100 games with Washington. All this guy does is hit. He hits for power. He hits for average. He does everything you ask out of an offensive player. So. In a perfect world, uh, and from a fantasy perspective, maybe I would have liked to see him stay in Washington, uh, but things aren't going to change for me when I look at Anthony Rendon, uh, now that he's a member of the Angels. Uh, I don't think the uh, the hit that he takes in the lineup department is too severe. It's a little bit of a, uh, of a ding and something where you could maybe... Push down some of your projections on his counting stats. Maybe he's not going to get as many RBI opportunities in the Angels lineup. Maybe he's not going to have as many run scoring opportunities. Washington's lineup was you know, pretty deep last year. No matter where he was hitting, he was going to have guys on base in front of him. He was going to have guys who could do damage behind him. He was really in a great spot. And maybe that isn't exactly equal uh, as a member of the Angels. But you look at what Anthony Rendon's done over his entire career It's been steady. It's been consistent. And he's only gotten better. And to me, that's the mark of a true superstar. So I still think Anthony Rendon, for me, is still a first round, maybe early second round pick, depending on how you value pitchers if you're wanting to chase uh, one of the ace arms early. But if we're just talking hitters only, for me, still a pretty easy top 10, top 12 hitter, even though he makes the move to L.A. All right. Well, if I'm in any uh, athletic leagues with you, I'm not going to be getting any Anthony Rendon because
0: you have him ranked quite a bit higher than I do. And I do worry about the things that you mentioned, including the change in lineup. Mm -hmm. Although I agree that unto itself is not going to be a deal breaker. The change in venue, which I think is going to hurt him somewhat. And I just worry that if MLB goes to uh, a less offense-friendly baseball Mm -hmm. that maybe we – we see those gains disproportionately uh, shrink back in uh, in 2020. But uh, yeah, I think that's you know that's one that we can certainly discuss, I think, uh, throughout spring training. And you also wrote about this year's Shane Bieber, someone who goes from being an afterthought to all of a sudden, out of nowhere, becoming a top 10 starting pitcher. And I'm actually going to be writing about Bieber a little bit later on during a draft season here because I'm also pretty down on him as well. So I don't know if we're going to part ways on him, but the focus of, of your column is not really on Bieber. It's on Denelson Lamette who you think is going to be the 2020 version of Shane Bieber. And I also wrote about Lamette as well for the draft kit. I wrote a piece on players in the National League. I also have a counterpart piece on the American League. So if you're an AL only person, I, I got you covered there too, but <laughs> I wrote a piece on players in the national league who could lose playing time or lose significance in their role with prospects coming up. And I think that the Padres rotation is really interesting because you, you could just cement it right as it is. And it's a pretty promising rotation with Chris Paddock, uh, Joey Lucchese, Garrett Richards, Zach Davies, who's just acquired this off season, plus Lamette. And I have a feeling that probably the the fan favorite or maybe lack of favorite in terms of somebody that they want to see get pushed is is Davies because he's not as, as valuable in fantasy as he is in real life. But I worry about Lamette and uh, Joey Lucchese too as maybe being susceptible when Mackenzie Gore, uh, should he get the call, Luis Patino. And that's not even to mention Cal Quantrill who spent some time in the rotation as all well last year. So as you assess Denelson Lamette.
1: Where do you put that into your assessment? Is is that even on your radar at all? I think it has to be on your radar. Obviously, we can't sit here and pretend like we're going to project these things with 100% accuracy, and if I'm off on Lamette even whatsoever, and Mackenzie Gore's ready earlier, Patino's ready, I mean, we we think maybe both these guys are going to be ready at some point this season, uh, then all of a sudden this this doesn't look so hot. So you do have to factor that in, right? I think Chris Paddock is probably the only guy that we can say 100% as you and I sit here recording this on February 3rd. People out there listening to this on February 4th, Chris Paddock's the only guy in this rotation we can say 100%. He's locked in. He's going to be a guy, if not the guy, for the Padres. Having said all that... I mean, look at what we've seen out of Lament uh, sandwiched around his Tommy John surgery that cost him the entire 2018 season in the first half of 2019. I mean, all this guy does is miss bats. He just racks up strikeout after strikeout after strikeout. Uh, he did it in uh, 2017, uh, 139 strikeouts, a 28.7% strikeout rate in 114 and one third innings. Then last year, or, yeah, last year, misses half the season because of that Tommy John surgery, comes back 105Ks, 33.6% strikeout rate in 73 innings. I just see a guy with a very bettable floor and ceiling in Denilson lament. So I think that he's going to be safe from those ascending arms in the Padre system. I think he's going to distinguish himself as this team's number two starter behind Chris Paddock. Clearly, based on what I wrote, that he could be this year's Shane Bieber. I think he has the ceiling to be the number one starter from a fantasy perspective. I think he's going to be safe. I think uh, Davies and Lucchese, to me, and Garrett Richards, of course, with his lengthy injury history, those guys are at a much greater risk of being uh, having their rotation spots taken away by one of the young up-and-comers in San Diego. I think by time, May rolls around, even though we have to bake some sort of uncertainty into Lamette's projections at this point, that we're going to look at him as, all right, this guy's basically just as safe as Paddock. If one of these guys loses a spot, it's going to be Davies, Richards, Lucchese. Those guys, to me, at a much greater risk. I am all in on Denelson LeMet this season.
0: All right, all right. And pretty good case uh, that you've made for him there. And then the last one from your column I want to focus on, this year's J- JT Real Muto, the catcher who gets drafted too early because people think posi- positional scarcity is a thing worth valuing. And your call for this year's JT Real Muto, shockingly, is JT Real Muto. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> so uh, what is your the elevator pitch you would give uh, to someone to – get them off of positional scarcity as uh, a factor that they should consider for their rankings.
1: Yeah, I I just don't think um, that it is worth valuing in the way that it's valued. I think it's worth valuing um, if we are talking out of the – maybe not sure thing rounds, but out of the huge ceiling rounds, right? I mean, right now, JT RealMuto, and this is, again, early February, ADP, still pretty soft, he's going to be moving around. But right now, he is getting drafted in the same neighborhood as Chris Bryant, Manny Machado, Anthony Rizzo, Vlad Guerrero, uh, Paul Goldschmidt. All those guys, to me, clearly have much higher ceilings. He's getting drafted at a time where you are still building the foundation of your team, where you feel like, if I miss... I'm screwed. Or maybe not totally screwed, but I have, I'm now in a hole relative to the rest of my league because I've missed on one of my first, really four, maybe five, but most likely one of my first four picks I have now missed on. And JT Real Muto is great. I mean, he is he is a consistent player. We know what we should expect from him. He's delivered uh, a couple of years in a row now, going back to his last year in Miami. Uh, he is one of the best real-life catchers in the league, maybe the best real-life catcher putting offense and defense together, and all that is great. I'm not saying that JT Real Muto is not a good player. I'm saying he is overvalued in fantasy leagues because of positional scarcity. People are conflating positional scarcity with i think the actual value that is brought to the table and when you are sitting there looking at jt real muto in your queue you are looking at a guy who i think really is going to only return something like six seventh round value because of what we've seen the last two years he's a guy who's going to hit in probably the 270s have uh, an obp somewhere in the 330, 330 to 340 range he's probably going to hit low 20s homers uh somewhere in the 80 run 80 rbi range all great numbers but still, I mean, like look, look at the numbers or the names I said. Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Paul Goldschmidt, Vlad Guerrero. If those guys give you those numbers, you would be disappointed. I think that goes without saying. And so for Real Muto, being a catcher, having him drive him up to a level where guys who would put up the numbers he's put up with consistency, the numbers we should expect from him, you would be disappointed in. I just don't think positional scarcity is worth that. I think it's worth something, but it's worth something where you bump him up over a guy who's going to put up similar numbers. Positional scarcity, to me, is a tiebreaker, not a maker. And with where Real Muto is being taken, it's it's, it's valuing positional scarcity as something that makes a player, not breaks a tie between two even players. All right.
0: Well, Michael Beller, some food for thought. Uh, I've relied on positional scarcity for years. Uh, You've made some points there that are going to make me uh, go go back to the drawing board uh, a bit on that. Some good points there uh, on Real Muto. And just want to add that in addition to everything that we've already discussed that's in the draft kit. There's a great piece there from our our friend and colleague Nando DeFino, who will be 2020 surprise players. Check that out. Nando, cultivated all this great information from uh, our beat writers at the athletic and there's some really truly surprising names in there some things that are have given me some food for thought so i do implore you to check that out and just to remind you if you're not already a subscriber to the athletic you can get 40 off of a subscription at theathletic.com slash baseball in 15 and everything that we do is included with a subscription so if you're enjoying this podcast on a platform that allows you to leave a rating and a review we would greatly appreciate it if you did take the time to do that. So for my colleague here Michael Beller, I'm Al Melker and we will be back with you on Wednesday.